In partnership with 2SER 107.3, the Walk We Talks podcast presents the latest episode of Fourth Estate. Fourth Estate is a weekly program about the media featuring some of Australia's leading journalists broadcast live each Monday at 6.30pm on 2SER 107.3. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Fourth Estate, the half-hour panel on media and politics on 2SER and the Community Radio Network. I'm Lucy Robson and on our panel today, Kathy Novak, presenter and reporter for SBS's World News Australia, Melanie Withnall, who is Managing Director of 2SER and the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia board member, and on the phone, Gold Walkley Award-winning journalist Joanne McCarthy from the Newcastle Herald. Thank you all for joining us today. We'll be talking about women making the news in just a moment, but first let's talk about female voices in the media in 2014. Are they still underrepresented and why? Cathy, I'll start with you. Working in TV, what's your impression of gender equality in that industry? Well, from where I sit, I think it is pretty balanced in the SBS newsroom. The people around me are sort of a mix of men and women. And I don't know if it could be a bit deceiving, but if you look actually on television, there is at SBS at least, and across a number of the channels, a pretty fair split. So for our main evening news bulletin at 6.30, it's for the most part Janice Peterson and Anton Enos, a woman and a man, and then um, myself um, and Ricardo Gonzalez will switch off the late news and Lee Chin generally does the weekend. So I think it's a pretty balanced mix. And within our reporting pool too, you see a few female faces there. We do have a lot of female anchors now um, on our screens. It hasn't always been that way. But one thing that hasn't seemed to change over time is that people do talk about women's appearance uh, a lot more than men's. And is that something that you encounter working in TV? Absolutely. Um, I'll, I have a Facebook page that's an SBS Facebook page and generally will um, have that updated with events of the day. We use it to promote what's coming up on the news. Generally, these days we do uh, a video promo, so it's it's kind of light. I'll, I'll get there and for 30 seconds say, hey, everyone, this is what's coming up. Maybe there's a bit of a quirky story or maybe it's a serious story. Maybe I'm talking about this is what's happening in Ukraine and it, it's it's real news. And the comments largely are, I like your jacket or doesn't your hair look nice today? Um, do you think it's more pronounced in TV than other parts of the media? I would say so because you, you're looking at people and that you, people do notice other people's appearance. And, you know, it, I think it just kind of comes with the territory. I'd love it if we had more robust debate on the topics that we're broadcasting rather than my jacket, as I mentioned. But having said that, I definitely will comment on other people's appearance and say, oh, I do like what Sandra Sally's wearing tonight or something like that. So I guess I, I can't really complain. Fair enough. Um, there are still fewer women than men in the top ranks of the media sector. This has been reported pretty widely already. Melanie, you're in management now. You're running a radio station and you've worked with lots of women who have made it to the top. So what do you think they need to do to actually make it there? I think those role models are really important. I was very lucky when I started my um, commercial radio career, so coming from community radio before that, moving to a commercial radio station that had a female program director. So when I was at 2UE, Sandy Aloisi was my boss, and she really provided a very positive role model to me. Um, and then later, you know, working at the ABC, lots of women in management there. So, And then community radio really has a very healthy um, representation of women in station management and also on 
boards for things within our sector. So um, I've been lucky, but I think those role models are really important. And I know Elizabeth Broderick and the Australian Institute of Company Directors have been working very hard to try and to get more women on those positions of, of power and to get them on company boards generally. And, you know, having a female prime minister is also very important that people see that women can achieve those roles. And I think also creates role models for people coming through, you know, like myself, who can see these women and think, well, they're doing it. I can too, and be able to progress through those ranks because, you know, to move into management, you do have to put your hand up and say, that's a job I want. And I think, and I think I can do that job because I've seen other women do it before me. So I think that's key in in getting more women into those senior positions. And saying that it is healthy in some sectors, commercial media, not so much. You know, I think there's a lot of work to be done there, but I do think it is starting to change and it is starting to get a bit better. I think SBS's board, lots of, you know, women on that as well. So, you know, it, it definitely is changing. We are a community radio show, but we don't often have people um, from the community sector on our show. So do you think there's anything unique about this part of the media that um, has a, you know, does it have a better gender balance than other parts? Um, I think I was thinking about it today, obviously, and I think it does in some areas. I think management and behind the scenes, it's quite good, but still it's hard to get women presenters. You know, we, we find it here at 2SER that we'll get lots of girls show up to training, um, getting them to progress to be presenters. They don't tend to put their hand up as much as the guys. The guys will come in and knock down our door and say, I'm here to be the next Hamish and Andy. You know, <laughs> I'm here to be Carrie O'Brien. Has you someone know. actually said that? Yes, yeah, so <laughs> many times. Um, but you don't often get someone coming in saying, hi, I'm Lee Sales or Kathy Novak. I'm the next one, you know. So I think that's something that I have noticed. And you know, we do our best to encourage it. We really believe that it's important to have diversity, not only of gender, but ethnicities, um, socioeconomic backgrounds, people from all walks of life. Um, so, it, but it's still not ideal. You know, the community sector isn't perfect by any means. Joanne, either? Yes. Okay, cool. Um, well, my next question is for you, actually. In the time that you've been working in newspapers, um, what have you seen change in terms of gender equality and more women making it to the top? Well, uh, I've been a journalist for 34 years now and um, I, I suppose what is print is consistent with other sections of the media, as in I think the percentage of women at uh, the upper levels is still um, not as it should be. Um, but I think what has changed um, is that there are more women now, I suppose, who are my vintage, um, and I'm 54, um, and we're in positions now where we're, we're senior. And, and one of the things that I think maybe is um, lost a little bit in if we focus on just the, the executive level of media is um, that, that media is about voice and it's about um, uh, you know communication and you only have to look I suppose at, at what I've been involved with for the last few years which is child sexual abuse now that's an area that was um, you know in in the shadows for an awful long time while the abuse was occurring you know historic child sexual abuse and but but now it's it's out there now I, I can't say that I actually chose to do it but but I maintained an interest in it 
and kept writing about it. And and I think it's maybe and and I find that interesting as a female journalist. It's um, the selection of stories that that are going to be pursued, and uh, and I think we're seeing in in issues like child sexual abuse. Uh, domestic violence issues that really are of, of core interest or should be of core interest to everybody but uh, but I think as a, as a woman journalist you, you sort of take it on a little bit as a responsibility to to write about it so I think just over 30 something years it's it's maybe that that I've noticed more than anything just that there's a lot of female journalists of a certain vintage who are selecting issues that maybe in the past have not been seen as priorities. Uh, what do our other panellists feel about that, Melanie? Um, yeah, I'd just like to agree with Joanne on that. I know that that's a battle that I faced when I was making content, was sometimes trying to explain an issue which you'd feel is an issue that affects everyone and being told it's a woman's issue. Um, and then at the same time being told, well, women are the bulk of our audience. So if women are listening to this program and women are our talkback callers, but obviously not our hosts, but, you know, why can't we do a story that's relevant to them, um, which is about something that might be child sexual abuse or stillbirth or something to do in relation to women's health or domestic violence or, you know, anything that is an issue that affects us all, but it's just called a women's issue. And I found that very frustrating. So it is really good to see that now that that I think is being more recognised and those stories are getting getting out there. And Kate Blanchett made a reference to that in her Oscar acceptance speech mm, as well. women's yeah. films. Exactly, so that it's not a niche thing, that it should be of interest to everyone. Exactly, and it's quite frustrating when you think, it's, you know, women are 50 or 51% of the population and it's we're still considered to be a niche or a minority and it's like, well, it's not the same. On know, SBS that, we had um, a program just recently on the Insight Forum program uh, on domestic violence. And what was interesting about that one is often, if you're talking about domestic violence specifically as a journalist, the first thing that you want to think of is I need to speak to a victim and hear their perspective, which obviously is true. But what Insight did was focus a lot on the men and what it is that makes them violent against their partners, any sort of their history, cultural influences, etc. And that was an interesting spin and took what would have been seen as a women's issue as we've been discussing and broadened it and really made it about the men as well and made it relevant to everyone. I do want to ask about the sources that uh, journalists choose to speak to in their stories in just a second, but first I have another question for you, Joanne. Um, Working in regional media, we don't often have people who work in regional media on Fourth Estate, so I really would like to get your perspective on if it's different for women working in, in regional newsrooms and radio stations um, compared to the major cities in Australia? Uh, oh, look, I think it, it must be. And I can only speak from the perspective of um, regional media um, simply because I've, I've chosen not to work in metropolitan media um, because I enjoy the freedom um, that regional media affords. Um, I would not have been able to do the work that I did on child sexual abuse. And, and I mean, it started in 2006 and it sort of developed and grew and I was writing news pieces, longer articles, opinion pieces um, increasingly and, you know, hundreds 
in the end of articles. Now, there is no way in the world that that would have been possible um, in a metropolitan uh, media, uh, particularly print. And so, um, and I think also regional media, um, it, it it allows, I think, female voices more than uh, in metro, or, or that would be my my perception of it, um, because metro I think is so competitive. Is so it I think at a regional level there's not the pressures and and the particular form of competition I think um, to get your voice heard um, as there is in in the metro. So I yeah I would I would say that and I. I think that's important for um, for journalists to to be aware of as well. Okay, uh, there was some research done last year on women in media, and particularly the actual sources that journalists are speaking to when they're doing news gathering and reporting. And um, it was found that there's a lot more men who are getting interviewed than women. Uh, this was pronounced in newspapers, but not just newspapers. Is that something that? Um, you're aware of when you're working on stories or you think it should be something that we are all talking about? I'll ask you first, Joanne, but I'll ask the others in a second. Uh, it is it is something that I'm aware of and um, it's it's something that I actively try to to work against. And, and I think sometimes in the media we can... Uh, I mean, it is interesting. You'll see the same old names. When, when a topic comes up, you can almost sort of, you know, predict... Who's going to be speaking on it? And um, and again, I think because I'm a regional journalist, and it's I, I actively seek out different voices. And uh, I, I can't say that I particularly look for female voices, but what you find is when you go outside the the, you know, the usual suspects, what you find are a lot of women and female voices. So and and I'm always happy to to put them forward so yeah our other panelists are nodding at the moment um kathy what do you think about this oh i I agree and i think it's especially true uh in television in terms of hearing the same old voices because a lot of the times you're trying to turn things around for the evening news bulletin same day following the leads of the newspapers who have set the agenda for that day especially if it's a political story and everyone's sort of chasing each other to get the the same grabs or whatever it is and maybe we're guilty of not trying as hard to diversify if you're just needing to get someone to speak on the topic. But the trouble is, apart from the diversity that we're speaking about, that you then find news reports that say experts say this, and it's one person who has one opinion and it's seen everywhere and it's taken as fact and that that is what experts on the whole think. And as Joanna's saying, if you broaden that, then you may get a different opinion. And at SBS as as well, we try to reflect society. It's actually in our charter to do so. So we also actively seek people from different cultural backgrounds, different parts of uh, cities and towns as much as we can. Um, and it, as I say, it's, it's difficult sometimes if you're trying to do it on the same day, but it's, I think that's something we should all strive to do. Mel, um, uh, what do you think? Well, I just agree 100%. I mean, and it comes down to something that we very much teach here at 2SCR is to find that um, balance of voices, you know, to think about your program as a whole, to think about the people that you're going 
to all the time and not to do that and and to make sure that you you do do that and in saying that though um when i used to produce um morning radio you'd have really tight turnarounds again as you were saying kathy and often it was quite hard to get a woman to do an interview because they were juggling so many roles so it sometimes the producer is trying um just the the appropriate person to speak or someone who would be good on that topic just doesn't have the time to do it because they've got so much else going on Yes, you are on 2SER and this is Fourth Estate and we're going to move on to something currently making news, namely the ongoing Corby family saga. Mercedes Corby has apologised to the Indonesian public for comments that she made during her interview with Channel 7 for the Sunday night program. In the interview, she said that the drugs that Chappelle was caught with could have been from Indonesia. Chappelle's newfound freedom is actually at stake here. Kathy Novak, do you think this interview should have gone to air at all? Oh, I don't know. It's it's always a, an interesting one talking about uh, this uh, Corby saga and whether or not people really still care. You know, when I talk to people, they're sort of saying, oh, Chappelle Corby again, do we really need to hear more about this? But there obviously, on the other hand, is a certain level of public interest. And, and then that's why, you know, particularly in this case, Channel 7 and Channel 9 were sort of battling over that interview. Should it have gone to air? I mean... I, I feel like the, the Corbys were aware of the parameters of Chappelle's parole and that um, it is up to them whether or not they give that interview. I guess the question then is, is it the responsibility of the people conducting the interview or the person giving it? It probably lies in both hands a little bit. Um, but if you look at the numbers, I'm not sure exactly what they were, but I, I think I did read that uh, viewers sort of switched off Sunday night when it came to that interview. So perhaps people aren't as interested as we think in hearing about the latest on Chappelle Corby. Joanne McCarthy, what do you think that this shows about, uh, well, Australian media, but also Australia's relationship with Indonesia? Well, uh, on these things, I I think it's interesting to to put it in reverse. and, And then that gives you some sense of what the other people might be thinking now if this if this was in reverse and it was in Australia and we had a lot of Indonesian media suddenly sort of in a in a, a main area and we had a high profile Indonesian um, person who who's just been released and and then that person um, had some kind of suspected uh, arrangement with a media outlet, and I mean the whole box and dice. What would Australians be doing? We, we, we'd be, we wouldn't be very happy. Um, we would feel, and and so, and this is a media construct. It's, it's, and personally, I haven't seen one second of any of the Chappelle Corby stuff. I don't know anyone who has. I, I think this is all about a media battle, um, and. And really, yes. So I'm I'm probably in that group of people who who just shrugs their shoulders and really couldn't care less. Melanie, with Noah, where do you think the responsibility lies in a case like this? It is a really tricky one, and as um, Kathy said before, with people who agree to do an interview like that, I mean, I think they do need to take a bit of responsibility for the consequences that um, it might have. You know, in saying that, if you 
you know, if it was someone who wasn't as familiar with the media and, and with the media game, I guess you sort of have to ask the questions of, you know, what effect would your actions have? Um, you know, how would you feel as the journalist or the producer if you did this interview and then, you know, Chappelle Corby ended up going back to jail? Would you feel responsible? And I think that's a question that everyone has to ask themselves. Um, but I think, you know, I heard a really great um, comment from Angela Caterns actually, who said, well, maybe she should have just walked out of jail and done a press conference and said thank you to the Indonesian government for giving her parole and thank you to the Australian people for supporting her and then gone off and just gone and chilled out with her family and gone to the beach. You know, I think there's kind of a lot to be said for, you know, I'm quite against checkbook journalism um, personally, but I think there's a lot to be said just for doing, getting the story out there and then, you know, walking away from it and getting on with your life maybe for the Corbys. So would you have done the interview if you were on I don't Channel 7? I don't know because I think that there, prob- there was that media war and it gets competitive and do you think, oh, I want to get it, I want to beat Channel 9 or I want to beat Channel 10 or whatever. But I don't know, maybe. What about you, Cathy? Oh, I, again, I, I don't know either. I would have had to weigh up the, the same things that Mel is talking about. And, and it sort of was really anticlimactic because in the end we were expecting an interview with Chappelle and then it was her sister who we've yeah. heard from before. <laughs> so I'd have to take that into account as well. Um, you know, SBS doesn't get involved in this wrangling. So um, it's not something that's front of my mind, really, I have to say. What about you, Joanne? If you were in, uh, at Channel 7, what would you have done? Uh, one, I wouldn't have been at Channel Seven, but two, <laughs> I, um, again, I, I, Angela Caterns did have it right. This was all about, um, you know, news as entertainment. Um, it's, it's not news, um, and it was about major networks competing. It was about other media watching those other, you know, media networks competing. Um, and in the process of all of that, um, we've we've ended up disrespecting uh, another country and another people. And and um, yes, Angela Conturns was right. The the first thing that should have happened, and probably the most appropriate thing under the circumstances, was for Chappelle Corby just to to make a dignified statement to the media, get everybody you know satisfied. Um, and then quietly finish the sentence. This is Fourth Estate. Just quickly to the UK now, where the News of the World phone hacking trial is still happening at the Old Bailey. Former News of the World editor Rebecca Brooks is being cross-examined in these last few days. She said that she didn't investigate phone hacking when she became a News International Chief Executive, but she does deny a cover-up. Um, I'm wondering what this whole story has revealed about the way tabloids operate. Um, Joanne, I know you don't work at a tabloid, but um, do you have a th- thoughts about this? Well, it is a tabloid format, so strictly speaking. Um, well, <laughs> the, the, I, I think we should say tabloid in the UK, which is a very distinct beast and um, ultra competitive. And, um, you know, the stakes are, are very high. And uh, so that that is a different thing to, to hear in Australia, thankfully. Um, what it says about the way that tabloid operates in the UK, well... I mean, you only have to, to look at the reports coming out of that trial. And we do have to remember that there is a trial going on, so we shouldn't be too liberal with 
commentary, but um, it it's not a good look, is it? it it's um, leaving aside the, the criminal aspects of it, it. It's it's just been a very seedy sort of um, display, and uh, it doesn't do journalism any good at all. So it's um, but. But it's not certainly it's not the way uh, we operate. And um, one, we don't have that kind of money. But uh, <laughs> but but two, um, what that's all about is ultra competition. There's there's nothing in the way of public interest in that. And um, so, and public interest, as in for the the broader good, that that's just all about the commercial, the way things commercially operate in in a very heated competitive market. Cathy, do you think that we should be paying attention to this trial in Australia? Oh, we should absolutely be paying attention, and I, I agree with Joanne. Um, uh, journalists need to have good sources and be breaking stories, and it is competitive, and, and you need uh, to be researching, speaking to people, and, and, and competing with other people who are doing the same, but it just seems that in this case it's gone to another level and doesn't do anyone any favours. Mel, you uh, don't work in tabloid um, newspapers or radio, but um, what do you think that we can learn from this whole story? I think it's a reminder to everyone to act ethically when you are doing stories. I think we as journalists or, you know, people working in the media, we need to always ask ourselves, you know, what does this have an effect? I mean, there's been a few other instances where um, I'm thinking, for example, of the Hot 30 countdown, the phone call to the hospital. I mean, who would have thought that what happened there was going to happen. Um, but it's just that reminder to all of us to act ethically. And if you're making that content or even for us as people who buy or read that content, I will admit I do read the celebrity gossip pages. Where is that information coming from? You know, I think we all have a, a, a part to play in it and to think about the ethics around what we do and what we consume and that kind of thing. I think one point I wouldn't like to make, and I forgot before, um, I think one thing we can see from the UK experience and uh, is is that when you have media, when you have journalists and media executives who are so close to, say, politicians and to other powerful people, in this case, you know, the, the allegations in relation to, to police being influenced, then you have a real problem because... You, you obviously the public isn't aware of those kind of associations, and the what we have here is allegations of of money um, being used to to influence people in terms of providing information, and that is a whole different ballgame. And I think as journalists, you I, I said once to a politician who was having a go at me about something and, and I said to him, look, I'm a journalist, I'm not your friend. And and I think journalists have to keep that in mind. You can't you can't be a friend of somebody and and still maintain there's a there's a conflict there. And and I think that's one of the most striking things that's um that that I've sort of seen just watching and, and reading some of this stuff that um way too close associations between media executives and, and other powerful people. That's all we have time for today on Fourth Estate. 
A big thank you to our panel, Kathy Novak from SBS, Joanne McCarthy from the Newcastle Herald and Melanie Withnell from 2SER. I'm Lucy Robson and if you'd like to listen to this episode and past episodes, then head to fourthestate.org.au. Fourth Estate is produced at the 2SER studios in Sydney and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode of 2SER's Fourth Estate. Fourth Estate is produced by 2SER 107.3 and can be heard live each Monday at 6.30pm on 2SER's 107.3, 2SER's digital, 2SER.com and around Australia on the Community Radio Network. Subscribe to Walkley Talks on iTunes and follow the Walkleys on Twitter and Facebook for new episode updates and to be the first to know about upcoming Walkley's news and events.